Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry again about having to push the time back. Uh, Grace and I were on the phone talking to a realtor. Oh, wow. Cool. You guys buy a house? Uh... <laughs> No, maybe I don't know. Her her childhood house yeah. came on the market and we were interested in at least the possibility of buying it, but it it, it seems like it's going to be way too much for us. Yeah. So, we'll we'll see. I'm not sure. Wow. Is that in Erie? Yeah. So, wow. I, I I don't know, man. I I don't know what our what our plan is going to entail. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck with all that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a long time since we have done this. I guess it's like, when was our Christmas episode? That was like the weekend of the 22nd or something like that? Uh, yeah, it was, because uh, what, Christmas was on a Wednesday. It, it came out on 25th, 24th, 20th. it came out on the 22nd, and it's now... Oh, it came out on the 22nd. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, we recorded it even before that. Um, so we I, recorded it on the 14th, uh, so it's been like three weeks one two three pretty much yeah because i mean we're right? we're recording this wow. we're recording this on friday and this is coming out sunday uh I, yeah. I think right is that is that when we're trying to do this one yeah yeah okay. definitely. okay but yeah it, it seems like we we haven't done this in a while you're right <laughs> and i had watched the first half of the episode we're talking about today like a long time ago for some reason and then we realized that our, our both of our holiday schedules or whatever was going to make it impossible for us to actually do the episode, and so I was so I had to go so I went back and watched the whole first half of the episode again, <laughs> so I could you know watch it kind of in one whole piece. You know, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to remember what has happened in the last week. You know, <laughs> having watched the first twelve minutes and then like, oh, I'll figure it. It would, it would have been easy to figure out. It's not like you know the West Wing or anything like that. It wasn't anything particularly deep. But uh, you know, I still I still like doing that when I can, watching the whole episode again. Yeah. So um, we might as well get going. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's the show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hollowell, and we will be talking about the conversion this episode, which is season five, episode eleven. But before that, the previous episode, believe it or not, was the Cigar Store Indian. Oh which, yeah. If you're oh, listening to this God. like far in the future or whatever, like <laughs> it, it may not seem like a long time ago. You might have just moved on to the next episode. But for us, it was like over a month ago, which is insane. But so, <laughs> but believe it or not, we did have some homework did you remember that uh i remembered it but i didn't get a chance to look it up because i was rushing here but uh i remember it's it's not a problem i think i did it last time i was editing okay uh i I wanted to know if you even remembered what we wanted to know i i I do remember that because i i looked in my my notes from the last episode one of them was what is kasha yeah so here's what kasha is kasha is a type of cereal or porridge made from buckwheat groats which is a type (laughs) of grain i guess it's like a portmanteau of the word grain and oats. I have no idea. It sounds disgusting. It, it, you it's, want some groats? It sounds like you're just try, like mispronouncing gross. Yeah, yeah, gross <laughs> or goats. <laughs> Do you want to have some groats? Ugh, I love a nice hearty bowl of groats in the morning. Yeah, pass me the groats. Now I understand why they call it kasha. Um, kasha is a common dish in Eastern Europe. And kashka varnishkis is a traditional Jewish preparation that combines cooked kasha with bow tie pasta and onions. So all of this sounds very disgusting. It does not sound like a smell that you want in your house, but it's what George and his uh, his family's house smells like. Oh God! <laughs> and then uh, the 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 second bit of homework was what is the most expensive TV guide? I I didn't look this uh, up. I don't know if you got a chance to look it up or not. I found an article from 1989 that was in the Chicago Tribune called Old TV Guides Become <laughs> Hot Collectible. What? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so keep in mind this is from 1989. Now okay. the market has tanked 
I'll, I'll just spoil the, the whole the end of the thing. Right, the, the market on TV guides has tanked, but in 1989, so this was a few years before '93. For instance, the the most valuable issue was Volume One, Number One, okay. April third, nineteen fifty three. Lucille Ball and Ooh, her baby were on the cover. Man, okay. And right at, at that moment, um, TV Guide was only being distributed in ten cities. But if you had a copy of that TV Guide in excellent condition in nineteen eighty nine, it was worth three hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> which the, the which is not a lot. <laughs> the most rare edition of TV Guide in mint condition <laughs> is three hundred bucks. That that sounds yep, like that sounds yep. like the low ball offer that Pawn Stars would give you. Yeah, the best I can do is three hundred dollars. <laughs> Let me call my TV guide guy. Yeah, I, I got a TV guide guy. He'll give me the answers I need. <laughs> I would love if the guy from Pawn Stars called his TV guide guy, and it was Creepy Ted. Oh, well, let me call God. my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy Ted walks into the shop, and he's like. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's Lucille Ball and her baby. Uh, it was only available in ten cities. It, it's it's worth probably six hundred dollars. And then Rick Harrison, yeah, best I can do is three hundred. I'm best I can do is three hundred. So close behind that at about two hundred and fifty bucks is the September twenty fifth, nineteen fifty three edition featuring George Reeves as Superman. And even in ni- even in nineteen eighty nine, the article continues. Prices plummet from there among dealers. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> It said April thirtieth, nineteen fifty five, with Fess Parker as Davy Crockett goes for about twenty bucks. Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra on the cover brings about thirty from uh, May of nineteen sixty. <laughs> um, yeah, but here's another. So here's another article that says um, it, it was it was like kind of a review of a book called The Official Collector's Guide to TV Guide. Oh Lord! And in this one, it said that uh, for issue number one, you could expect to pay. Uh, uh, almost two thousand dollars, nineteen fifty, nineteen hundred fifty dollars. Whoa! Yeah. Okay. But again, I don't know where this review was from. Yeah, um, yeah. And even this article goes on to say, after that, prices dropped dramatically, <laughs> making this an affordable <laughs> hobby. So that's one one of the you know so like, one of the appeals of collecting TV guys is it's very affordable. So like, creepy Ted and Frank collecting new, just released issues of TV Guide are pretty much worthless yeah yeah even in 93 they were almost immediately worthless and, man i wish somebody yeah, would have told it, them yeah. well maybe it's just the fact sometimes collecting is its own reward sometimes you know the rarity of things and the value of them to other people or on the open market is is not you know sometimes you just want to have things to have them you know i guess that may, yeah. that may be the appeal <laughs> yeah it may be the affordability of the hobby that draws them to it you know <laughs> Um, I, I also did some searching on there was a, there's a website called rarityguide.com and they sort of like they have like it's like almost like a stock market for collectibles and they had a TV guide section that you could organize by so this is maybe the most up to date information based on what's on the market out there now if you found an issue number one I don't know what you're going to pay for it but right now you could get the most expensive TV guide I could find is uh, the February 23rd. 1985 edition with Michael Jackson on the cover and it's $15.47 on eBay. <laughs> yeah. That, that's perfect. So that, oh that's my pretty God. much Catherine Hepburn, $15.15. Yeah, that's that's about where we're at right now. Jesus. We, we, could, uh, we could just totally yeah. flex on Seinfeld and just buy every copy of the Michael Jackson edition of TV Guide. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're a Seinfeld completist, you have to you have to be a TV guide collector as well. <laughs> just because Frank does it, you have to do it. Oh Lord. Okay. Well, 
that's that's a lot more disappointing than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I know, I know. If anybody else has any, in, you know, inside info and is like, oh no, you know, issue number one is going for this, like, you know, please let us know as always. But that's as much as I could find on my pretty deep dive, as you can tell. I went to three different websites for crying out loud. Four, if you count eBay. You know? Oh my god! <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's more work than anybody's done regarding TV Guide in the last twenty years, <laughs> maybe thirty. <laughs> um, and uh, I did some more research on the cigar store Indian too. We kind of had a question about why these, why Indians, uh, Native Americans, CSI—that's the word we were using—why uh, uh, they were used in tobacco stores. And uh oh, somebody just woke up. Oh, hey. no. Is it Aaron? I feel like this is going to happen. Yeah, Aaron's <laughs> here. Hey, I guess you want to be on this episode too, don't you? <laughs> oh, he said no. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I guess Aaron's back. Right. I guess Aaron's back to monosyllabic babble <laughs> you're not fooling anybody pal you know that <laughs> um so he's just playing here he might uh he might be okay we'll have to see okay uh, but the 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 cigar store indian or wooden indian uh, to use the colloquial term um is an advertisement in the likeness of a native american used to represent tobacconists because of the general illiteracy of the populace at the time early store owners used descriptive emblems or figures to advertise their shop wares. So, for instance, barber poles advertise barbershops, snow globes or show globes advertise apothecaries, and three gold balls represented pawn shops. So because Whoa. Native Americans, Indian, you know, American Indians introduced tobacco to Europeans, that's why European tobacconists use the Native American Indians to advertise oh, their shops. okay. Boom. Okay. Yeah. Wow. There's, a, there's actually a, a reasonable... Uh, uh, reason a reasonable reason behind yeah reasonable reason you're right (laughs) um and the other thing we wanted to know was uh, that is not jamie presley who was playing cards at elaine's house jamie presley's i went back and looked it is definitely not jamie presley you're right (laughs) yeah yeah but did it even did it even have a did she even have a passive passing resemblance Eh, maybe if you're like squinting uh yeah <laughs> a, a, a very very no, no. little bit but no <laughs> <laughs> yeah well jamie fest jamie presley's first on-screen credit was playing preteen american girl in the 1998 direct video feature mercenary so it she definitely wouldn't have been she definitely didn't look like that in 93 i guess oh my god yeah <laughs> uh, and a couple of other um just uh, trivia notes about this episode according to max prost who i guess wrote this episode the incident with the chinese postman was taken almost verbatim from his real life while walking through chinatown late at night he asked a postman if he knew of a chinese restaurant that was still open and the postman started screaming at him <laughs> thinking the prost assumed he knew where the restaurants were because he was chinese rather than because he was a postman <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah, which is pretty incredible. I, I, I didn't expect that to be drawn from real life. Yeah, I know. Just kind of just very weird that like that. It did seem kind of unbelievable that anyone would make that mistake. But, you know, maybe the guy had been on a long shift, forgot he was actually working or wearing his uniform or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, Tom Gamble, who also, I guess, helped write the episode and Max Prost's original draft for the episode was called The Moosehead. And in this version, Jerry buys Elena Moosehead and Winona is offended by the gift because she is an animal rights activist. Oh. But Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld felt the moosehead was too reminiscent of sitcoms from decades past and directed the writers to replace it with something more politically incorrect. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. I feel like I may have liked the Moosehead better. 
I don't know. Yeah? How is it reminiscent of like sitcoms from years past? I, I don't know, because the Moosehead is, I mean, anything from sitcoms past is going to be kitschy, which is like what Jerry was going for. Yeah. But but I don't know, maybe it just made it more, maybe it just made it more timely. I mean, animal rights, you know, if anything, it's, it's helped this episode age pretty well because, it, you know, the issues it talks about are still being talked about today. Like, we haven't figured it out, you know, um, and so... I maybe just they you know they thought the racial insensitivity was a better uh, I don't know episode <laughs> I don't okay. know what I'm trying to say okay. I I get you I get you <laughs> yeah I get, yeah it, it, it's even more politically incorrect and so I guess it raises the stakes a little bit and like I said I think it's aged pretty well like you can still watch it today and like wow this was this is all still pretty relevant yeah you know I guess maybe that's what it is I thought it would be more relevant if it, mm. if they brought this up and made it a little more uncomfortable than just animal rights which. Of course, everybody is, you know, mostly against cruelty to animals, I guess. Yeah. Where, whereas, uh, I mean, even even today, yeah, you could, uh, like, uh, show the Cigar Store Indian episode to people. And weirdly enough, it's going to be a divided response. You're going to have people saying, hey, no, yeah. racism is bad. And then you're going to have the crowd that says, oh, well, he's not being racist. You know. Yeah, yeah. Can't take a joke. It's heritage. Yeah, yeah or something like that. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have that crowd. <laughs> right, right. So, believe it or not, I think that is it as far as homework goes. I know it was a ton, but oh uh, but it's been building up. It's, it's been a, backing up. It was a lot more Christmas. A lot more than I thought. <laughs> uh, but before we <laughs> before we do get into the rest of the episode, we do have something in Newman's mail sack that we will get All to right. at the end of the episode. Uh, but uh, it, anything else before I get into the top of the show stuff? I think that's it. Okay. Uh, today we are talking about season five, episode eleven, the conversion. Oh wait, shit! I didn't do any of my preamble. God damn it! You're not a research heavy podcast. It's it, it's been a month. Okay. <laughs> I know. I okay. know. Okay, so we are not a research heavy podcast. Uh, if you if we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email, send us a tweet at no hugging or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description of the episode or on the page for Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if we, uh, what do I typically say here? Oh, if you do leave a five star rating and a written review, we will send you a no hugging, no learning sticker. 2020 is the year of these stickers. I'm telling you, I'm I'm getting them made. <laughs> I found a deal with one of the sticker makers, and I'm getting them made. Uh, I'm I'm putting this out into the universe. Uh, it, it we'll see if it actually happens. I, I'm hoping right. it does. So 2020, year of the no hugging, no learning stickers. Mark my word. Uh, that being said, season five, episode 11, the conversion original air date, December 16th, 1993. I was 11 months and 26 days old, four days shy of my first birthday. Wow. And if you're looking in TV guide that just night, about to celebrate your first Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Well, no, technically or I guess not. your second Christmas. Yeah. Your second Christmas. <laughs> oh, but believe me, it, it was my <laughs> second Christmas. My family had to rush out and get like baby's first Christmas, like, ornaments and clothes and bibs it was ridiculous oh yeah yeah yeah. um if you're if you're looking in your uh unfortunately valueless tv guide the (laughs) night of december 16th you're gonna see in the name of love george goes through the process of converting to the latvian orthodox religion all right and we start with a stand-up bit as we normally do 
And this is about how uh, being a doctor, a doctor is the only job where you actually have to have your diploma up on the wall. It's supposed to be this prestigious, you know, job, but you actually have to have your diploma up on the wall. Like, how insecure is that? Uh, <laughs> like, you basically have to, you know, like the doctor is going. I really am a doctor, you know. Look at the wall. I, I liked the face that Jerry made and the way he delivered this line, like a twelve-year-old kid. I really am, you know, like that kid in your class or whatever that would lie about everything. Oh yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I so I really liked his delivery here, and and he's like, really, it's you know, it's what's all the, with all the psychological leverage that doctors need over us, whether it's putting like the diploma on the wall, um, which I thought was a really good point. I was like, well, they put it on the wall because it is such a prestigious job, and I was like, well, wait a second, if they if it's such a prestigious do- prestigious job, why do they need to prove it? I thought it was a really good premise, and actually one from Seinfeld I, I didn't remember or wasn't familiar with. Yeah, um, yeah. And so he goes on to say that, you know, they, they tell you to take off your pants and sit in a little room, uh, because if, you know, any argument comes up, pants always beats no pants. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I thought this was actually a pretty good stand-up bit. Yeah, it it, uh, it was uh, much better than a lot of the ones we've been getting. <laughs> I, I know that yeah, isn't yeah, saying definitely. much, but it was definitely better. <laughs> yeah. So we open up at La Boite en Bois, which I think this is now the third woman that George has brought to this restaurant. We've seen it over and over again. It's obviously one of his favorites. I had no idea it was such a staple of the Seinfeld universe, the Seinfeld verse. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are again. Uh, and he's telling her to order the lobster, even though it's $25. Very pricey. Well, well, he I also, feel like that's still a good market price for it, it, lobster. It is pretty good. Uh, but also, he doesn't know that it's $25 before he's saying, he's like, I, I highly recommend the lobster then he looks at the menu yeah. he's like who $25 you know what you know get the lobster <laughs> yeah yeah he's still he's still telling her to get the lobster I mean that's how much yeah. he likes her I mean that's how that's George's love language is money you know I mean really <laughs> I guess if it comes down to it if you can get him to not be cheap then it's real I think that's that was a great way to you know communicate this immediately in the episode how much he likes her you know he's like oh $25 you know what go for it go for it <laughs> um, but his date breaks down and his parents or her parents rather are making her break it off with George because of their different religions and uh, then she still order goes ahead and orders the lobster through tears the waiter comes by and she's like she's like doubled over onto George like crying on his shoulder and he's like have you decided yet which by the way what kind of waiter sees that situation and goes like ah oh, they're ready to order yeah i i should definitely like uh, approach them in this vulnerable moment that'll yeah. that'll work out well for me there. and my tip <laughs> yeah um but it is funny cuz she orders the, i'll have the lobster <laughs> uh through the tears <laughs> and at uh, Jerry's apartment, uh, we're not in Jerry's apartment yet. We're in the hallway, mm-hmm. and Elaine is talking about her date with a doctor. And Jerry's like, oh, "Come on, he's a podiatrist, uh, you know, not exactly a doctor. Anybody can get into podiatry school." George got into podiatry school, which I wonder <laughs> if is is true or not. I don't know. I want to know though. Yeah, yeah. And then a woman walks out of five E. Jerry's apartment is five A, and Jerry walks out of five E. I'm sorry, a woman walks out of 5E and asks Jerry if he is stopping by later. And, uh, you know, he says, oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, Elaine kind of gives him a little look and they exchange the kind of normal, uh, you know, they have the kind of normal exchange they do when one is, is yeah, dating yeah. another person. Let me yeah. pause real quick. Uh, I, I am jumping forward. Do we ever get a name for this woman? I don't believe I ever did. <laughs> I, I just kept wrote, yeah. I just kept writing <laughs> Jerry's neighbor or the neighbor or... <laughs> I, I, they, they never gave her a name. 
I, I know, I, know. I, yeah, I know I've I, I freaked out that. about this before and like, oh, it's 20 minutes into a 21 minute episode and we just learned their name. We literally <laughs> never learned this woman's name. <laughs> I kept waiting for it and wondering if I missed it, but now I'm glad to know that I didn't. <laughs> Even upon, I remember I watched the beginning of this episode twice. Yeah. So we, I, I definitely never heard it. Yeah. God. Okay. But um, back to, and back, I gotta to say, back to this scene. <laughs> There's her, something about her. The, this woman and Winona, I got to say, are are two of the most stone foxes that Jerry has been involved with heretofore. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. not even doing it by season. I mean, these past two women, I, I, you know, and I'll, are are some of the hottest. I'll say. I, I just like Terry. I had a flash. I I, I kind of paused because I had a flash of Terry Hatcher, who was a stone <laughs> fox. Don't get me wrong. This takes nothing away from her stone foxness, but these two back to back were were quite a, a one two punch. I got to say. Ah oh, man, I I. I definitely think I would put Terry Hatcher at number one, but yeah, uh, what Winona and his neighbor uh, <laughs> we don't <laughs> that we don't know her name. Uh, definitely yeah. a close two and three. I think I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what I'll order though. That. I'll go with that. Yeah, uh, um, Terry Hatcher might be goat or groat, depending on how you want to say. Oh God, it. no! Uh, d- don't but, don't but call this. her groat, please. <laughs> no, Terry Hatcher is the groat. Ew, the greatest. It still it still still means greatest of all time. It's just the first two letters of great are in there. <laughs> Uh, so as Jerry and Elaine walk into Jerry's apartment, George is already inside. He's on the couch. And I love these like sort of one syllable, like single word answers. <laughs> like, how'd you get in here? Kramer. What's in this? Lobster. Uh, and, and he explains the breakup that we find out that his girlfriend is Latvian Orthodox. Uh, Jerry and Elaine are sort of paying attention to his dilemma, but also like really attacking the lobster. Uh, that is left over, which I feel like George kept for a reason. You know, I think I think he probably wanted that lobster, and he's going to be bummed when he realizes that in his dejected state, he didn't realize that they were eating his twenty five dollar <laughs> leftover lobster. I'm sure he'll just uh, charge them for it because that that's what good friends. Yeah, do. probably. I'm certain George will. Yeah, that scene was definitely like a deleted scene. Um, so he says, like on the cab over, I actually thought about converting, and Elaine is like oh you know that's very romantic it's like edward uh like king edward abdicating the throne to marry that woman that that he married that kind of perks george up and he starts running with the idea he's like you know what kind of what difference does it make uh i I think i'm gonna do this i really think i'm gonna do this um and meanwhile uh, in 5e in the woman's the mystery woman's apartment uh jerry's making out with her and they both kind of like get up. Uh, he goes to wash his hands because they're sticky from an orange. He says, and while he's in there, he snoops at her medicine cabinet, and which is which is slightly ajar. So he just sort of like nudges it open and finds fungicide. Oh god, and that really worries him. Yeah, he gives like a shocked look to the camera uh, through the mirror. And over at Monk's, Jerry's explaining that he found fungicide, and Elaine accuses him of snooping in the medicine closet. And he says he didn't snoop uh, and that he wouldn't do that. But He's, Kramer says he always does it. Yeah, Jerry says that he didn't break the seal because uh, the door yeah, was already ajar. <laughs> uh, and Kramer says he always snoops. And where do you stand on medicine cabinet snooping? Uh, I don't like it. I, I, I don't think yeah. it's a good thing to do. But then again, I don't keep uh, anything really in my medicine cabinet that would be embarrassing, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've right. got... Uh, toothpaste, my shave gel, my razor, my deodorant, my flossers, uh, just yeah, just normal. normal stuff in there. I don't I don't keep medicine in my medicine cabinet. You know where we keep all of our medicine is on top of the microwave. Oh, yeah, interesting. Don't, don't know why. 
um, yeah, I I have no. I, I think you should expect it. Like, don't store. I think it's on the person, the medicine cabinet owner, to not store anything in there that you don't want people to see. I don't think it's necessarily wrong to snoop. I I can't think of any specific time, but I'm sure I've probably done it in the past. But uh, you know, I also think it's like it it should be expected. It's not entirely ethical. I'll say that. But but also, it's like it's it's your fault if somebody finds something like your fungicide or whatever. Yeah. So what what, what did you say? Not ethical, but should be expected. It, it's it should be expected, but doing it is not entirely ethical. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I'm not gotcha. I'm not giving snoopers an excuse, but <laughs> if that's what you do, you know, it's it's not your fault what you find. You know, it's the person who left it in there because it should just be. It's part of the bathroom. What if I needed something? I got in you. the bathroom. Like, gosh, where do they keep the, their extra soap or something? Yeah, yeah, I'm you with know? you. I'm with you on that. It, or either that, or just get a lock for it. If I went into a bathroom and I saw a lock on a medicine cabinet, I really wouldn't know what to think. <laughs> I would think it's packed with nothing but opioids. Just nothing. <laughs> but well, this is any sort of this opioid is, that you can find. This is obviously where they keep their drugs. Yeah, yeah, like a million percent. I would think that. <laughs> um, and uh, so Jerry's like, "Why don't you?" He asks Elaine to ask her doctor about it, and you know, she kind of points out, "Oh, now he's a doctor. Before he was just, uh, oh, he's a podiatrist. Now he's a doctor." Um, <laughs> and you know, it was like, "What?" Well, you know, she could have funguses, and Kramer corrects him, "Fungi," <laughs> and they go, "What?" And he goes, "Fungi." Again, like almost insistent, like you don't believe me that the plural of fungus is fungi. I'm going to be very <laughs> insistent here. And Jerry like gives him a little smirk, like again doing that almost breaking thing, but also like it kind of fits into the scene because it was a funny way to deliver that like Wh- fungi. Which I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering if this line was even scripted and kind of Larry David <laughs> or, or whoever was like actually writing the episodes episodes purposely wrote the wrong pluralization of fungus just so Kramer could jump in and yell fungi, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, actually. This does seem like <laughs> it might have been one of those improv lines because he's like in the middle of a bite, too, kind of, and, and has to kind of get it out. And, <laughs> and yeah, he, and he delivers it very well, and it, kinda, it looks like it catches Jerry off guard, so I wouldn't be surprised about that. Uh, we are now at a, uh, a, a Latvian Orthodox church, and George is laying it on pretty thick to a couple of holy men about wanting to join the uh, Latvian Orthodox faith. And uh, I like that um, one of them says, like, is there one aspect <laughs> particularly you like about it? And he was like, I'd have to say the hats. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the Not one like, you know, reason, it, yeah. <laughs> eternal salvation or whatever. No, it's the uniform. It's like, yeah, he's like, it gives you that real pious look or something like that, um, which is hilarious. And he's like, you know, and so they're asking him, like, you know, well, what do you know about the Latvian Orthodox faith? Faith, and and I love what George says here. I'm familiar with the basic plot, and they're sort of <laughs> offended by plot. Like it's anytime you say like, anytime you use that sort of, you know, like not that it's completely scholarly, but saying something like, oh, you know, like Christian myths and stuff like that. Anytime you refer to them as myths, it like really gets people's panties in a bunch that are, you know. Uh, evangelical about it for lack of a better term so saying oh calling it the God, basic yeah i know the basic plot uh <laughs> was like very much like that i have a feeling uh to these guys but they they still don't back down and and, and uh the guy loads five books up for george to read that's like kind of the first step in getting into the latvian orthodox church a woman in religious garb enters you know the same kind of hat that the other guy is wearing mm-hmm. and says there's a man in the chapel and he's like okay well you can attend to him and George said, uh, nice nun, because they have a nice little interaction. 
And uh, they tell him that Sister Roberta, which is her name, uh, is not a full nun yet. She's a novice still, not taking her vows until next Thursday, we find out. In the chapel, the man that is there is Kramer, who is there to pick up George. And right away, Roberta is enamored with Kramer because he's, you know, um, he says it's a pleasure to meet you. And she goes, mine. And, uh, and Kramer sort of, you know, gives her an odd look. Back in Jerry's apartment, they, you know, George is talking about his plan it, moving forward to you know, be converted to the Latvian Orthodox faith. And uh, he was like, you know, next week I'll be Brother Costanza or something like that. And I love this line from Jerry. And what is Brother Costanza plan on telling Mother Costanza? And George (laughs) says, Brother Costanza will be taking a vow of silence. (laughs) So he would never tell his mom that he converted to a different religion, which I think is hilarious. Well, actually, he says, uh, he says, I'll be Brother Costanza by Christmas Day. So I'm wondering if By they, Christmas Day, there you go. Yeah, so I'm wondering if like with this episode coming out on December sixteenth, I'm wondering if yeah. they I, I'm guessing they know what their release dates are ahead of uh ahead of schedule, obviously, but do they know them yeah. in the the writing and the shooting process? I I wonder the same thing. I mean, I don't know if uh, NBC tells them, you know, like uh, you know, here's the production schedule. Here are the episode air dates. You know, and and they just write them like because you know Christmas episodes always air around Christmas. So yeah, hey, th- that would, I'd imagine that this is, I guess, as close to a Christmas episode as as we get. <laughs> in we're just season five, just you know? spending half the episode in a church. That's Christmas enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably yeah. That's, that's a pretty good point. Um, so I think that's entirely possible that you know. That this is just it's just like a Superman reference. It's like that that's what makes it a Christmas episode. Just one mention of Christmas. That's all it takes, you know. <laughs> so Kramer enters uh, the apartment with a Oh, and by the way, the applauses are are completely gone now. I mean, no applauses for Kramer. Oh my god, you're right. As, as we're in the Whoa. Yeah, this is like I think the second or third episode in a row where those are pretty much non-existent. Oh man. Uh, and he has a slinky. He has a slinky that he's playing with and it's from Sister Roberta, who he says he thinks likes him because he got a vibe from her. And Jerry is incredulous that he got a vibe from a nun. But Kramer, <laughs> I think this is where he starts talking about the power that he has over women. Yeah. Which it, we've seen. I don't know why Jerry doesn't believe him. Yeah, it's the first time that he's uh, full on acknowledged it as like a power, though. You know what I mean? Because uh, they've, they've acknowledged that, oh, yeah, Kramer can just get any woman he wants. But this is the first time they're kind of playing into it being something otherworldly yeah yeah or or just something that he's even aware of being able to do yeah because, i mean we've seen true. him with women and he, and he has game but yeah this is where we've we kind of learned that it might be yeah some supernatural game <laughs> 5e as i wrote here i just called her 5e you just call her 5e uh, 5e All right. <laughs> Yeah, 5E. <laughs> 5E comes in to check up on Jerry because he said earlier to get out of the fungicide situation that he had. He was coming down with the flu or something like that. Um, and so uh, she comes to check up on Jerry. And I like his little, you know, are you feeling any better? And he goes, a little bit. <laughs> like a little fake, like super fake, tiny cough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then when she leaves, I like George's here, too. This is just a great peek into George and Jerry's friendship. He's He goes, he's like making a hand motion back and forth. He goes, story. He knows something's up. He just wants, you know, he's like, all right, mm-hmm. what, what's going on there? You know, beautiful woman. You're pretending you're sick. Story. Give me the story. Uh, and so he says, all right, she's subletting Carol's apartment for the summer. And, you know, I found fungicide. And George is like, maybe it's not even hers. You know, maybe Carol left it there. Tons of people leave old stuff in their apartment. Maybe, uh, and, uh, and he says, I still have Brill cream. 
which is hilarious do you, because do you, you know, know what obviously that's cream what you is? your hair oh oh yeah yeah it's, it's hair cream yeah yeah <laughs> oh god okay yeah, yeah, yeah that went again it's hair cream from like the 1950s but it's still yeah <laughs> that went so far over my head uh that if i had yeah. actually known what brill cream is it's actually pretty funny yeah, right. I know. It, it's, it is a funny line, but it is such an outdated reference. I don't even know what I would replace it with. But well, it's it's funny because it was he bought it so long ago. Brill cream was still on the market and he still had hair. So that's, you know, so and it's, he lives at his parents place. So I kind of believe that there's brill cream there. I'm wondering. I don't I, even think it's an exaggeration. I got to <laughs> know when like Rogaine and Just for Men were started, you know, because that that had yeah, to have yeah. been like around that time right yeah i want to say rogaine was still if it was on the market in 93 it was not over the counter i want to say you still needed a prescription for it in 93 hmm this uh this is something i want to look up like when when rogaine homework came out yeah i'll i'll look this up that sounds good because uh th- this would be such a better like uh, a much better reference than brill cream yeah but then, Jesus. It but then it wouldn't indicate that he had hair at one point, you know? Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, like, that's the thing. Brill cream is so old that, like, I still have Brill cream. A, they don't even sell it, and B, I don't even need it, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, you're right. Like, who knows when that even went off the market? All right. I'm still going to look up when Rogaine came out, just just for shits yeah, and gigs. Yeah, yeah, curious. <laughs> right. Then we cut to 5E's apartment. Jerry's knocking on the door, and he asks if he can use her bathroom, which he thinks is weird, but, you know, I guess she lets him do it anyway. Over at Elaine's... Um, she's with her podiatrist doctor date and he is okay with her, you know, asking a question for a friend. Um, cause he's used to people going to him for medical advice. You know, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm a doctor. Yeah. And did and you, for some reason, did, did you also pick up, sorry to interrupt. Did you also pick up on him? Uh, cause Elaine is saying, Oh no, it's not for me. It's for a friend. Uh, when he's saying, Oh, it's okay. I'm used to it. He somewhat picks up that it's not for a friend. It's definitely for Elaine. And she's just too embarrassed to admit that it's for her. Yeah. I kind of got that feeling too, because when someone says like, Oh, I'm asking for a friend, uh, <laughs> when it's, you know, when it is something embarrassing, like you always think, sure you are. Yeah. And I think, I think the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But for some reason, after he goes, you know, I'm used to it. I'm a doctor. For some reason she goes, well, podiatrist. I don't know why <laughs> she felt the need to do that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like in like in her brain from when she was talking to Jerry, but like she was the one defending him. She was the one yeah, saying yeah. that he's the doctor. So maybe she just kind of subconsciously said it. I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it it barely makes yeah, sense. Yeah, maybe Jerry got to her. Yeah, maybe Yeah, maybe Jerry just convinced her and got to her that like, yeah, especially saying that George could have been one that like, oh yeah, well, those people shouldn't call them. And we know that like the gang usually has an inferiority complex about people who are better than them. You know, for instance, Lloyd Braun working for the mayor and George hating him just because of that, you know, just because he's done something with his life. So (laughs) maybe it's a little bit of that with Elaine and she's like, well, let me take this guy down a notch. You know, stop calling yourself a doctor if you just deal with feet. You know, what what (laughs) can you be doing? It's not like you're saving people's lives or whatever is what she might be thinking. But he goes off on like a, a monologue about why he's a podiatrist. I like feet <laughs> is kind of the, the thesis yeah. statement of it, which is pretty funny. Yeah, God. <laughs> um, back in 5E, Jerry is searching her bathroom for the fungicide because it's not in the medicine cabinet anymore. And he's sort of like kind of stalling, saying he can't find the soap. And she knocks on the door uh, and to give him more soap and opens it. And enters right as he finds it. So he finds the fungicide right as she opens the door. And he does all he can do is like put it, puts it in his pocket. 
rather than be caught with it. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, over at the Costanza's place, George is in a bathroom of his own there. Uh, like, to his credit, like reading all the books and taking notes on them yeah. that the Latvian Orthodox <laughs> priest gave him. But uh, but both his mom and his dad are super like worried and concerned about what their grown <laughs> son is doing in the bathroom. He's been in there for an hour, Frank yells. And, uh, yeah. jo- and Estelle's like, George, what are you doing in there? He's like, nothing. <laughs> so, I, I mean, he's definitely yeah. not uh, giving them... Uh, reassurance that he's not doing something weird uh, but he's not doing well I shouldn't say he's not doing something weird but he's not doing something weird with his body right right yeah which is definitely what they expect I mean after the glamour magazine uh, episode you know <laughs> or, or just the episode where uh, he f- or uh, Estelle found well, what did they call it the prophylactic in the bed oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Over at Kramer's, <laughs> Sister Roberta knocks on the door, and she's brought him another toy, like this uh, um, sort of <laughs> cube that you can manipulate with, like, you know, kind of bendy corners, but stiff edges. And I think it's weird. Is it like, why does she keep bringing him toys? At first, <sighs> like, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but at first I thought it was kind of like a baby kitten or, or a cat who would, like, bring dead birds to, you know, she just doesn't know how to express the way she feels about Kramer. So she keeps bringing him. And I was like, maybe it's cause he's kind of a man child, you know? And so like, Oh, I'll bring him a slinky and I'll bring him this baby toy to play with. Maybe later on. I think I have a better explanation. Okay. Uh, well, but I was we'll, kind of puzzled right yeah, there. We'll wait until uh, we get to that later point in the episode. So you can give your better explanation. Cause I, I'd, I'd like to hear it. Cause I'm still stumped really. Yeah. It's pretty deep for Seinfeld. That's the only reason I'm like, is this why, or is it just like they needed, something funny like this like giving him toys to, okay. as an excuse to see him and it doesn't and, it, and it's not really deep I'm, I'm curious to see what you think uh in jerry's uh, in jerry's apartment jerry is quizzing george for the conversion test and uh elaine comes in and the the whole argument with the doctor about whether or not he's a real doctor kind of put their relationship on the rocks and jerry now is like telling her to apologize you know, for his own benefit, like not because she did insult this doctor or he cares about her relationship. He wants to know about <laughs> what this fungicide is for. So, you know, he's like, yes, you should. Apo-. Elaine, he's a doctor saying things like that. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, before Elaine can uh, you know leave the room, I think she was running to the bathroom or something. He drops the ointment in her purse so that she remembers. Uh, meanwhile, George is writing the answers to the, his conversion test on his hand, uh, essentially going to be cheating on the test later. And it's funny the stuff he's writing, like Luke, John, Paul, like just names <laughs> of people in the Bible. <laughs> like de- definitely stuff he should know already, yeah. like from his parents. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, is it ever solidified? I, I'm guessing is George Jewish? Okay, that's a great question that is actually still a mystery in the Seinfeld universe. And I remember reading something that uh, Jerry Stiller said. You know, because people ask him all the time because Costanza is like an Italian last name. Yeah, and you know they and they certainly have some of those characteristics of an Italian family. And but also george you know sometimes makes references to like jewish things and and the family does as well and so obviously he's friends with with jerry and they yeah so it's it's but someone asked jerry stiller once and i think he said that they are a uh, a jewish family in a in the witness protection program like masquerading <laughs> as an italian family or something like that is like kind of his joke answer about it okay i'll try to find that exact interview maybe 
for for next time. But I, I never really considered it either until yeah, it's it's never really brought up what religion he is. Oh my god! Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I think that's an that's an interesting question too that definitely arises from viewing this episode. It's like what could because I, I mean I I liked. I don't think George. I I don't know if this is a discussion for now or later, but we might as well get into it now. Like, is what George is doing like really all that bad? Like, if he doesn't care about like George, what do we think? He's like agnostic at best, you know? Yeah, I or he's just like a a. I mean, for for example, say he's Catholic. He's at least like a lapsed Catholic. You know, some someone who grew up in the church like with his parents he like fell off like, i mean this is this is my example to a t i grew up in the church fell off when i went to college haven't been there in years i i'd now go like yeah. easter and christmas you know yeah but, but you retained some of it you know i mean obviously george has referenced god before he thinks god will never let him be happy he's he said that before um <laughs> and so that like that's sort of like all you know that that uh um interventionist god kind of thing i think is probably like more catholic than jewish if i was i, I don't again i'm i'm no theologist ted if any theologists are listening <laughs> i'm in on twitter i'm you pretty know, just like political economists theologists are also all over it i'm pretty sure there are no theologists <laughs> listening this to this episode you know but then again i never thought we'd have people in freaking sweden listening to this episode <laughs> There you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think George like does. Obviously, George believes in God, but I don't think he like and I don't think so converting from whatever he is to Latvian Orthodox. Like he says, like, what's the difference? Like, I, I, I completely agree with him. Like, if it doesn't matter to you and then, you know, I, I don't think he's doing anything against the Latvian Orthodoxes. <laughs> you know, I guess they would be upset if like he, his heart truly wasn't in the faith. Yeah, but I don't think he's doing anything to awful you know i mean as far as george's offenses in the seinfeld universe this is this is very low on the list for me are we gonna have to get a priest on here to weigh in on this yeah i do i want want a jewish rabbi i want a catholic (laughs) priest and i want a latvian orthodox priest on the next episode (laughs) well i i only have two mics up here <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll have to get we'll have to get a completely new world headquarters oh for this God. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that can be our next Christmas episode. That seems like a good Christmas episode. Oh you know? God! Please don't let. Please we'll don't make get, us do that. <laughs> we'll just get Aaron to start studying all of those now, and you know, by the end, like just just by the end, like he'll have a you know a, a degree in world religions, and he can sort of set us straight. Oh God. <laughs> And and we'll also watch the Jack Frost with the murderous uh, snowman. We, we need we need to do like the double feature with uh, Michael Keaton, Jack Frost, and murderous Jack Frost. <laughs> murderous Jack Frost. <laughs> um, uh, so God, where the hell were we? I have no. Uh, oh, idea. I think we're back at the chapel. Oh no, we're not. We're not back at the chapel. Uh, George is cheating on his test. Uh, Kramer comes in, and Sister Roberta is questioning her faith for Kramer. And this is, again, where Kramer references this power that he has over women. And rather than I think that this was maybe a compromise. They were like, all right, you can't the the scene breaks too much when they applaud for 30 seconds when you come in. But he's been doing a lot of funny exits. And this is a really hilarious exit because he like grabs his hair and like pulls on it. And he's like this power. And he does like a stiff like Frankenstein's monster kind of walk (laughs) out the door, like a, a, a stiff shuffle out the door, which is hilarious. Yeah, this was really good. Yeah, and it gets and it gets the applause and appreciation that it should. 
Um, and I think maybe that was what they were like. All right, you know, and, and we don't we don't want to take anything away from you, Michael Richards, the actor. Like this was, you know, it was pretty cool that you had this signature thing. So, all right, we'll still let you do it. You just have to exit in a funny way. So, I, I mean, it was maybe even the last episode when he like caught the door on his foot and couldn't pull it closed. But then he ended up pulling it closed. And like even Elaine was laughing at that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and I think the last episode. So. Uh, we'll have to see if his exits start becoming the star of the of the Kramer show, as it were. Uh, over in the chapel, the Orthodox priest kind of gives George like the the slip. He's like, "I gotta say, I was surprised by the results of your test. I've never seen anyone do so good." <laughs> you know? uh, and so George nailed it, and he was like, "I can tell you're full of the Holy Spirit." And George, I love George's line here. Oh, I'm definitely full of it, and he like puts up his hand and you can see like all of the answers are still written on it <laughs> does the father like not see the writing on george's hand <laughs> he's old maybe it comes down to that you know <laughs> uh but i tried to get a good pause to see if i could see what was actually written on there but i couldn't so uh if anybody else is able to let us know i don't want another candy bar situation on our hand but <laughs> well we, we i don't care that much we do know it's uh matthew mark Luke, John. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other holy man comes in and talks to the priest, and uh, something has come up, so George leaves, and Kramer goes into the office after George, and they kind of greet each other in the hall, and it takes George a second to like put Kramer in context, like, oh, hey, and like, wait a second, what? <laughs> you know, uh, so that's kind of a funny take. And the, you know, so the, the priest says he talked to Sister Roberta today, and Kramer's like, look, I don't know what's going on. I promise I didn't do anything, but it, it's just something I have. And, and the priest goes, ah, yes. Kavorka. It's <laughs> Latvian for lure of the animal. And we get a gr- another great line from Kramer. He goes, help me, father. <laughs> Which is kind of a begging. That we, when Kramer begs, is just hilarious to me because he gets up into this high, squeaky register that is just so funny. And so I, I love when he delivers a line like that. And so the, the priest says, all right, he starts rattling off, get 10 cloves of garlic, three quarts of vinegar, six ounces and that's when the scene changes um <laughs> here's what i don't like about and maybe this is maybe this is a religious thing but like now all of a sudden it's the woman's fault that she is so enamored with like that she can't control herself around and it's not kramer's <laughs> fault at all you know what i mean and like i, I guess that's like uh, you know something going back in religion to from you know the turn of the millennia or whatever it's like they women haven't always been you know, in places of power in the churches of world religions, <laughs> I guess we can say. Uh, so no, you know, maybe, maybe that's no, why the, you don't say. <laughs> and certainly in, in a church that has the word orthodox in it, that usually is a good <laughs> indication as well uh, that, that you may not be able to raise that. There may still be quite, quite a glass ceiling. Oh, a stained glass ceiling. Oh my gosh. I need to write a vice think piece right now called stained glass ceiling. Oh my gosh. That's it's too, it has to already exist. <laughs> That has to be out there. That's amazing. If I do say so myself. Ver- verbal trademark. <laughs> yeah, trademark, copyright, patent, patent pending. Um, but uh, so that that's one thing that I like. I, I can't get too upset at it, I guess, because of that fact. But it's still, I was like, oh, it's not the man's fault. It's the woman's fault. She can't control herself. And he can't control this thing about himself, the Kavorka. Um, but it is kind of a funny, funny device. And l- let me, since the lure of the animal has been introduced, I think that's why she was bringing him toys because oh. he had this animal nature about him. So she's like, what do I do? I guess, what do you give to an animal toys? You know? Okay. Al- almost kind of treating him like he's a cat or a dog. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's very weird. I don't, I, I mean, it do makes... you think they put that much thought into it? 
I don't know if they put that much thought into it, but it makes more sense than just like a woman who's attracted to a man and her bringing him toys. Yeah, like a slinky and, and a weird cube thing. I, I mean, hey, I, I I don't know what her life was like before she uh, entered the Latvian Orthodox Church, but maybe she has like a <laughs> yeah. a, a mother fetish. Where, where she just likes mothering the <laughs> men that she is uh, trying to pursue. Yeah, yeah. And Kramer is a man-child. Like he, we've already kinda, he kinda really referenced. is. Yeah. <laughs> so that may, that may be more accurate than, you know, bringing an animal a toy or something like that. But it's just something that occurred to me. I was like, maybe that's why. The lure of the animal. And, like, I, I don't know what to bring this guy. So I'll bring him a toy, like an animal. Uh, back in Jerry's apartment hallway, which we're seeing a lot of action in this episode, I wonder why they decided to use the apartment hallway so much in this episode. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of odd that we, you know, we've we've spent more time here in this episode than any other episode as far as per minute mm-hmm. breakdown, you know. <laughs> um, but Jerry follows his nose to Kramer's apartment, and Kramer opens the door. His hair is wet. He has a necklace made of garlic. Some sort of peppers, also some leaves are on there. We don't we don't know exactly what these are because they weren't in the ingredient list. But he said he's bathed in vinegar. He's funking up the whole place, is what Jerry says, or funkifying. I think maybe is what he says, <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny uh, terminology. Here's one thing I love about this shot is that Kramer has Jerry's headshot up in his apartment, and, and maybe we've seen this before, but it's something about their friendship that I love. Oh my it's god! Like, it's not a picture of him and Jerry. It's Jerry's headshot. It's like <laughs> find yourself somebody. Supports your career like Kramer supports Jerry. I, I didn't. I didn't even recognize this. This is incredible. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. If I'm not mistaken, it's also the cover of Seinfeld's book Sign Language that he came out with. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe even like during the height of of Seinfeld's popularity. I don't okay. remember if it came out during the show or not, but it's the same kind. He's got his hands like kind of pulling, like running through his hair, and like it's black and white. And I just thought it was I thought it was really, really sweet of Kramer um, before we before we go to the next scene, uh, because th- this is the last time that yeah. we're in Jerry's uh, hallway, I think. Actually, no, we have one more scene in yeah. Jerry's hallway. There is one more scene. Uh, yeah. But I, I do want to point this out. The hallway looks totally different uh, because we've pointed this out before. The exterior of Jerry's apartment does not match the interior. Uh, the, the door to Jerry's hallway is on a flat wall. And then you walk into his apartment and then there's the door and then the wall caves back around for his kitchen. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, it, it makes no architectural sense. Yeah, it's it's a physical impossibility. <laughs> And uh, I, this episode, yeah, I was I was trying to wrap my head around it as well, seeing the door on a thing like that and then connecting it to the hallway. And I'm like, no, it just never works. It, it, it'll never work. <laughs> but yeah, this because he opens the door from like, especially when him and Elaine were coming in, he opens the door from the hallway and you're like, that looks totally just looks wrong the way you do that. Over back over at the Latvian Orthodox Chapel, there's a sign for the conversion of G. Costanza. Uh, and maybe it does say George. I don't remember. It must say George Costanza. Did, did it say George Costanza or G Costanza? I was going to say it at least just says something Costanza because they they yeah. they say George Costanza like Estelle's. I don't know if they say Estelle's son, uh, but they at least yeah say, they do say Estelle's okay. son. Okay, so, so yeah. they say Estelle's son, and then that that's Estelle's it. That's, son? That, that's the scene. <laughs> yeah, we cut to George's uh, house, his parents' house too, and his parents are freaking out because now they have heard. 
that he is converting to the Latvian Orthodox faith. Uh, why for a woman, he explains. Jerry Stiller in this scene was just so unbelievably hilarious. Like the fact that he can deliver his lines without cracking up in the way that he does is just amazing to me because <laughs> the way he shouts everything, this was just like peak Jerry Stiller. It was so funny. He, like he says, is that the group that mutilates those squirrels? Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, what? No. Like, I want to know what, what, Jer- what Frank was I want to know what he was actually thinking. Like, what group mutilates the squirrels? Um, and I love this too. He's like, "I'm going to call my lawyer. We could probably still get out of this, as if it's something that like George, like George, could get out of it if he wants to. Like he has any obligation yeah. to it? Yeah, you don't need to call a lawyer, but he's going to call a lawyer to get out of it. Maybe we can still get out of it. Um, and then he yells, "You're not going to do any rituals in this house. <laughs> no rituals. Just <laughs> like so funny uh, all the way through." Um, you know, uh, uh, his mom, Estelle says like, you're under, you don't know what you're saying. You're under their power. And Frank <laughs> yells, oh, now they're brainwashing you. <laughs> oh my God. It's so crazy that he thinks Latvian Orthodox is like this insane it, cult. Oh when yeah. And it's like, you know, obviously one of those that's, that's very old and ancient, you know, yeah. just, oh. just, just hearing the name like, oh, that's got, that, that's not a new cult religion. That's an old religion. Yeah. I mean, both of them think it's a cult, not just, uh, not just Frank. His mom is totally <laughs> like into the, into the cult. What's the word? Not bandwagon, but in, into thinking that he's part of a cult now is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the cult theory, I guess. The cult yeah, theory. Yeah. She's the one that says you're under their power. You don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Is that the one? Oh, and I think before George leaves, he even yells, "Stay away! Stay away from those squirrels!" Because <laughs> he, he still thinks Latvian Orthodoxies uh, are the people are that group that mutilates the squirrels. Jesus! I really want to know what he. I mean, I, I really want to know what he was thinking in the universe <laughs> of Seinfeld. What group he heard about that was mutilating squirrels? Um, so back in Jerry's hallway uh, at his apartment building, five uh, E is outside of her apartment, and she's really tired. <laughs> Because Blonkers was scratching all night, and it is apparently the cat that has the fungus, not 5E Girl. Uh, and so Jerry, yeah, Bonkers is the name of her cat. Uh, <laughs> and so back at the chapel, we jump back there. George is in a white robe. And this is kind of a weird exchange that I didn't know what to make out of. Uh, you know, he's like, are you ready? He's like, yes, I am, Fada. Th- this and is, he's like, I, I think this is why I thought that Fada? George was Jewish. Oh, you, you thought he might have called him by like a, a, a Jewish name of some sort? I, I think Or like so. just that accent is Just kind of... That, that accent. Uh, I I don't know if it's like a yeah like, like a Yiddish kind of accent I guess or something that that's that's what I was thinking I could be totally off base yeah maybe that maybe it was because it was just a weird I didn't know whether it was just funny for funny's sake and just out of the blue for out of the blue's sake or whether it actually meant something because he goes did you say he's like oh, I I meant father I'm kind of nervous he's like I thought you said fada you know I was like well what's the difference if he says it with his <laughs> you know I don't know, Queen's accent or whatever it is yeah. um, or whether he says father you know <laughs> why can't he call you fada. <laughs> that's what I want to know. Yeah. So that's why, yeah, that's why I was kind of confused by that scene. But uh, over uh, in the street, there's a woman who's hailing a cab, and Kramer, you know, he wants to test out whether he still has the Kavorka or not. So he approaches her from behind, um, and she says, Get away from me, creep, and runs off. And Kramer is very excited that <laughs> she has run off because it means he does not have the he does not have the Kavorka anymore. And so he rushes off because uh, Roberta, I guess this is Thursday by now. Uh, that's when the priest said that she was taking her final vows, and uh, so he can still, you know, rush over there and keep her from not 
doing that, he can make sure that she does take her final vows and, and becomes a nun. So back at the chapel, George's ceremony is going on. Kramer is running through the streets, taking the subway, stuff like that. Which, by the way, I think this was definitely a stand-in. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't think this was Michael <laughs> Richards. It just didn't. He was trying. It was like a bad Michael Richards walking impression. I was like, <laughs> oh, just don't. Just don't even try. I mean, it, it wasn't any good. And when it time when it comes time for Sister Roberta to give the final benediction for George's conversion ceremony, uh, she says, "I can't. I'm you know I have to leave the faith because of him." And that's right when Kramer runs in, and everyone turns around and they just start going, "Kavorka, Kavorka, Kavorka," <laughs> which I thought was that was hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so I Kavorka, like they all. I, I've got a question yeah. about this. Is is George's uh, convert conversion ceremony, confirmation ceremony, whatever you want to call it, and Sister yeah. Roberta's final vows one in the same thing? It seemed like they had scheduled them, if not during the same <laughs> the, ceremony, but maybe back to back. Yeah, they, they definitely, I think so. they definitely at least double booked the chapel for that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. They were like, "All right, first George's thing, and then your thing after <laughs> that, or whatever." Or maybe it was like during the. You know, maybe they did double up and they're like, all right, George's thing, your thing. And then when you give your final benediction, that's your thing, too, you know, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think maybe it was all during the same service. Yeah. OK. Like cause sometimes, you know, you if, if you go to church, like sometimes there's a baptism like right in the middle. Yeah. You know, it doesn't true. mean it wasn't a, a special day. It's just something they scheduled right in the middle there. So I, I maybe guess this was but just like, like a normal that's church true. service with. Yeah. That's with true. A couple but, of extra things. Yeah. But like the sign that the old ladies are looking at whenever they are like oh, George Costanza, Estelle son. It doesn't say anything about Sister Roberta's final vows. It just says like uh, confirmation ceremony of George Costanza. <laughs> yeah no you're right it does yeah yeah and and three o'clock is a weird time for a church service anyway i don't know anything about again maybe this is a normal latvian orthodox <laughs> time but I, I think morning you know weekend yeah. mornings yeah, w- sunday morning specifically yeah. like w- <laughs> yeah. uh like, yeah like weekend mornings or like uh, like saturday nights maybe I, I think that just might be a catholic thing i'm not sure yeah i know wednesday nights uh, you know there's sometimes a service wednesday night if you need that middle of the week fuel up um <laughs> uh, but the, but this so maybe this was as close as they could get to that Wednesday night time. They're like, all right, we can do it at three, and then we have our spaghetti dinner, and then and then our normal <laughs> service or something like that. Um, they, it, it was you know they like to open the chapel, open the full chapel only a couple of days of the week. I think is maybe what it is. Back at Elaine's, uh, Elaine and the doctor are both kind of apologizing to each other about getting uh, heated over you know the argument about whether or not he's a doctor or whatever, and the podiatrist, uh, you know is going to the they, they they start they both start talking about how they both love feet too uh, and how the pinky toe is the cutest thing um and uh, the doctor gets up to go to the bathroom jerry calls at the same time uh and tells elaine that it was the cat's fungicide not five e's fungicide but at the same time the podiatrist is snooping in elaine's medicine cabinet and finds the fungicide and gives the very same reaction that jerry did when he found it in five e's apartment oh uh, saying, god fungicide, fungus oh. <laughs> <laughs> And so now he thinks Elaine has the fungus. Yeah. Uh, back at the chapel, uh, Sister Roberta is, is sitting with Kramer and there's just something, you know, it's not there anymore. That connection is not there. And so, you know, she's going back to the church. And before she leaves, she tells Kramer that, you know, you stink. You need to take a bath or something like that. <laughs> um, so it, his, his power is gone, at least for this episode. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it returns. But but that's the end of the episode proper. Uh, and then I was kind of shocked to like we got a stand up bit right away. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a, it, like it dumps us right back into the club, which is not what they normally do. But there's a reason for it later on. Well, I don't know why they did it this way. But so we get a stand up bit 
And this is about how medicine in the cabinet, if you put a medicine in the cabinet, it means you're never using it again. It's pretty much, uh, it's just an ointment museum at that point, <laughs> which is pretty funny and, and uh, plays into, you know, what they were talking about earlier with, um, you know, I still have Brill cream. I still have old cough syrup. Um, you know, he's like, here's a, a lotion from 1973 or whatever. He's, mm-hmm. he's talking in the stand-up bit. Um, and, and like with your microwave, he, Jerry points out, if there's a medicine you're using, it's on the sink or it's out. It's not in the medicine cabinet or it's somewhere that, you know, <laughs> it's somewhere that you're going to see it and use it. But I like this point, too. This is an interesting kind of left turn on a why do we have the medicine cabinet and why is it sealed, as he said earlier in the episode, uh, you know, because it reveals our weaknesses. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it is kind of like even if it's not an embarrassing, you know, medication that you have, it does let people know that something is or was wrong with you at some point. You're not, you know, that you didn't not necessarily not want people to know, but it is a, it, it does reveal a weakness. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I, I like this stand up bit a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, it's kind of an interesting an interesting take on the medicine cabinet that I never considered before. Um, and so both stand up bits are, are were pretty good this episode. Yeah. He's two for two, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and so then we get a, a Marvel esque credit sequence. And I don't know why they couldn't have flip flopped the stand up bit and what happens at Monk's later on after the stand-up when the credits are rolling but at monks uh george's yeah it's it's really weird this could have easily happened right after the chapel bit mm-hmm. you know oh, yeah even if, I, I think even if they sh- wanted to give us some music to let us know time had passed yeah i i definitely think this should have been the ending scene of the episode and then the stand-up bit like you could do you could do yeah. the, the church then monks then the stand-up bit credits that's it yeah it's even got a great tag at the end just like you stink i mean yeah that was funny to Kramer, but this one is, is funny too. So George's girlfriend is there, whose also name we never got, uh, you know, um, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, oh George's my girlfriend. God, you're right. Um, yeah. So 5E and George's girlfriend, they just never. Roberta's the only woman with a name besides Elaine in this whole episode. <laughs> and we don't know. We don't know the sex of Bonkers. If Bonkers is a woman cat, is a lady cat, then we also got Bonkers' name. But so they gave a name to 5E's pet, but not to the woman herself. <laughs> Um, but so George's uh, unnamed girlfriend is like is kind of um, you know flattered that you know the first, she's like you did that for me and he's like well I didn't do it for my mother but she says that she's not ready for a commitment right now maybe when she gets back from Latvia where she is going to stay with relatives for a year um, and before <laughs> she gets up and leaves she tells George don't ever change and uh, George is sitting there once again you know, alone, and a waitress walks by and he says, uh, I'd like a doggy bag for this, indicating her sandwich, which she barely touched, and that's the end of the episode, which is pretty funny, like telling George to never change and then to get a doggy bag for, you know, a sandwich that someone's taken a bite out of and some fries that, you know, he's going <laughs> to take home, just like he did the lobster, is very much George never changing. You know? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the end of the episode, so yes. kind of weird, but, I, but that's it. I, I definitely thought this was a a mediocre episode at best uh, until yeah. until like talking through it now. I, I I like it a little more than I did uh, watching it through the first time. It's it's okay. It's not going to make anybody's all time greatest list. It's not it's right. not awful. It's it's very middle of the road. Yeah, I gotta say I enjoyed it more watching it the second time the first time i was like okay i get it and and really the highlight of the whole episode for me is jerry stiller's performance yelling at george uh in the in the middle of the episode maybe this one just benefits from discussion and rewatch and maybe it is you know since it deals with religion maybe it is just a little 
a little deeper. And maybe that's what we, uh, you know, appreciate about it. Like, because there's one thing that, you know, religion can benefit from. It's discussion of it and, and things like that. So unwrapping it and talking about the myths and things like that. Maybe that's why we did like it more having talked about it, you know. Maybe, the, yeah. Having watched it a second time. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I almost put a star by it during that Frank Costanza scene. And I was like, well, I think maybe I'm just doing this for Frank Costanza. If I need <laughs> if I need a filler in my top eight and a half list, whatever we're doing, it might squeak in. But I I, I really I really doubt it will squeak it, in. It definitely it definitely makes a list for top Frank episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it like, gives just, great Frank. <laughs> uh, it, it's very Frank. Other than that, it, as far as like just general episodes, I, I don't think it's making anybody's list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, homework. Uh, I don't really think we have anything. I'm gonna look up when Rogaine came out, uh, but that's just uh, for me, I guess. I, I just want to mm-hmm. know when that came out, as opposed to Brill Cream, and when Brill Cream was popular. <laughs> I think Brill Cream you're going to find was around at like the turn of the 1900s or 1800s even, <laughs> but maybe not, maybe not. But certainly I want to say like the 1920s, 30s, like that kind of thing. Oh, Lord. But I'd be curious to know when Brill Cream went off the market. Okay. Maybe it never did. Maybe, maybe. Um, okay. Do we want to come up with a better description? Let's see. Okay. So we had, in the name of love, George goes through the process of converting to the Latvian Orthodox religion. Hmm. I, um, I think I like it. I, I I don't think it's too much information. I mean, you could just cut out uh, the Latvian Orthodox, but I like that inclusion because it's it's you know very it's not a religion that you hear about every day. So exactly the fact that it's kind of uh, yeah, I, I I like it. I, I think this works. It's not too wordy. It it, do, it doesn't give anything away that you're not going to find out in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, and it and it's one of those that you know George's thing. Um, the only like Kramer's storyline stems from that. We don't really need to get into Jerry and Elaine's B story. Um, that's another thing that kind of, you know, it really does draw the episode back. I got to say like George is, and maybe that's one reason that we're like kind of, you know, lukewarm about it is that B storyline is like not that great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that (laughs) storyline. Oh man. All right. Well, I I think we, I think we got to unzip Newman's mail sack. Yeah. All right. So we have a couple of things, uh, both from John Mara. So speaking of Sweden, uh, John Mara ah. reached out to us and he said, hello guys, this is Stockholm again. Thanks for the homework. I've reflected over that Sweden is way over mentioned in Seinfeld. I've checked it up and it's at least seven to eight times or even more. Depends if you count deleted scenes or not. And yes, it's true that Sweden wow. is referred to a lot, even tops your neighboring country, Canada. An explanation might be that Jerry is driving a Swedish car, which he actually used to drive for real. In an interview with Jerry and Eddie Murphy, Eddie described how other stand-up comedians used to gather outside comedy clubs and stare in awe and marvel at Jerry's black sob, saying, Can you believe that jokes bought him this? And he also includes, <laughs> Now to my homework from the Swedish massage. Not surprisingly here in Sweden, or uh, about a Swedish massage. Not surprisingly here in Sweden, it's just called a classic massage. Probably by the same reason that in China, Chinese food is only called food. Uh, he says, <laughs> uh, This massage thing, it's a lot older than I thought. Apparently, the man credited with inventing the Swedish massage is uh, Per Enrik Ling. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, that was probably super offensive to Swedish people. Uh, <laughs> that was born in Sweden as early as... At least you didn't do it in your 
Swedish chef accent. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, who was born in Sweden as early as 1776. It has something to do with the concept concept of Swedish wellness, where I also think that the sauna is a part of. Likewise, as Kramer, Swedes also love a good sauna. Uh, he includes the quote from the implant, Phew, it's like a sauna in here. Uh, <laughs> Kramer seems very keen to live by this Swedish wellness idea. He's always up for a hot tub or a sauna, maybe because he hopped to he hopped a steamship to Sweden when he was 17 years old. He says, I have worked at an advertising agency where they offered free massages every Friday, but as with you guys, I didn't take a massage very often. I was younger and maybe didn't feel I needed it. It felt weird and awkward to have a creative meeting and then being rubbed a while later in the same conference room. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he continues, uh, the massage therapist brought that kind of a foldable table with a head hole and it's both lighter and heavier than you think at the same time. It's very strange. Finishes up on this email. Now to the conspiracy theory bit about what Jerry cuts up at the kitchen top in his apartment. I know it's a bit crazy and stupid of me to do this, but I couldn't resist. Please see the attached PDF file or JPEG. I hope you've enjoyed this and maybe I can contribute with more theories in the future to your very fun and enjoyable show. Best regards from Stockholm, John Mara. And I'm looking at the JPEG that he sent over. Yeah. And oh my God, this is a full like red string theory here. Jesus. (laughs) What in the world? What do you mean? Are you looking at it? I can't. I'm, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> I haven't even lied. I, I, can you explain it to me? Uh, it, it's trying to see what Jerry is cutting up when Kramer is uh, eating grapes on Jerry's couch from yeah. the masseuse. Uh, it, it says up top, cheese, Jerry. Cheese and grapes, Jerry. It's the best. A no-hugging, no-learning conspiracy theory explained by John Mara. Per- parenthetical, <laughs> not that Banya had anything to do with it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Ben is a, a character that I'm aware of, but we've not uh, been introduced to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, question one, what is Jerry cutting into the kitchen top when Kramer lies down on Jerry's couch eating grapes? And question two, why? Uh, there's a bunch of screenshots. Question one, Cra- what Kramer is holding. Kramer exits his apartment after receiving a Swedish massage. He has no grapes in his hands. Later in the hallway, Kramer also taunts Jerry physically. Remember, Jerry hasn't received any Swedish massage. Still no grapes in Kramer's hands. Uh, a screenshot of when Kramer <laughs> is lying down on Jerry's couch. Kramer lies down on Jerry's couch, still bragging about mas- about the massage. He now has grapes. They must have been in Jerry's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, pan over to Jerry cutting something on his apartment countertop. He says, Jerry's cutting something. He's angry and frustrated. Back to the couch. Kramer's eating the grapes that Jerry had planned to eat. Back to Jerry. Uh, with pieces of cheese and jerry is it's cheese jerry cheese is what he had written here and he says question two why maybe jerry had planned to eat grapes and cheese as a sort of comfort food to compensate the lack of massage typically kramer to cheat jerry out on all these things extra conspiracy theory could this be the hunk of cheese that george wants to bite into oh my god john (laughs) this is a lot to unpack man when did george want to bite into a hunk of cheese i don't know (laughs) <laughs> that sounds kind of familiar but i i like that it looked like a big a big <laughs> pile of butter but I'd, i'll go with cheese over it, it was just oddly shaped it, it but really grapes was and cheese, that's a nice midday snack <laughs> and i i will definitely admit I, I have built a few uh cheese boards over the holidays to take to friends parties and grapes definitely pair well with cheese that's what i hear yeah i'm not a big i'm not a big fan but i i know that if you're putting together a charcuterie board you know, you want to you, you can put some grapes on there and take up a little bit of space and save a little bit of money. 
And then, because uh, you know, they're definitely not as expensive as meat or cheese. That's true. That's true. Oh, well, my awesome. God. well thanks for doing all that awesome work on that <laughs> in that deep dive on everything. Oh boy. Okay, so back to back to the end of our episode here. Next week, season five, episode twelve, the stall. Original air date, January 6th, 1994. If you're looking in TV Guide that night, you're going to see Elaine agonizes over a woman's refusal to pass her some toilet tissue when she finds that her restroom stall is lacking. Interesting. I don't know if I'm going to like that uh, that descriptor of the episode, but I guess we'll find out next week. Oh, man. All right. And I guess that's it, right? That's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Haldwell. Be good. Be good.